I'm Jay Geronimi. I just launched a new YouTube channel called Wrong Plays, where I recently took all the McDonald Land characters, put them in the GameCube game WWE Day of Reckoning, and wrote some theme songs for them. I also make music as All Hallows Evil, allhallowsevil.bandcamp.com. The new EP is The Grifted Age. It's very good. It's pay what you want. I know no one has any money right now. You can also listen to it on just about every streaming service. So I'd love it if you listen to it. Uh, once again, I'm Jay signing off. Thank you. Hide your buns, hide your cheese, hide your pickles, hide your seeds But you're never gonna keep that beat from me Keep your nuggets, keep your fries, keep the stars in your eyes But this motherfucker's coming for the beef supply! The beef swiper is getting hyper! Stealing all your burgers while you're filling up your diaper! The beef swiper coming to snack! Keep your money and your jewels, put your burgers in the bag! Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts. And you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast. We're on a coronavirus conference call here. I got, uh, we got AJ back from the dead with us. My man, Duke City Joe. <laughs> I think you know where he's from. None of your business. Uh, AJ, kick us off. What do you want to talk about today? Oh, God, I think the most important thing to talk about right now is layoffs, furloughs, who's going where, who's been let go, who's better off let go, and who seems really depressed to be let go. Yeah, there was quite a list of names. A lot of people that you would kind of expect, like Primo, Epico, maybe Mike Canellis. I was surprised by Maria, but I mean, you let one go, you let both go. Did she deliver the baby already? Oh, the second one? Yeah. I don't know. They've been off TV for a while. I just think laying off a pregnant lady seems a little dangerous. (laughs) She's got to go. (laughs) Now, is it weird the timing of everything that they kind of let all these people go in a time where you can't really go anywhere? I mean, you can, but what are you going to do? 
I think it's hard to say. There's a lot of moving parts with this. The big rumor is that, for some reason, right or wrong, Vince got spooked by something the TV network said. He's concerned about a contract that he has to have X amount of live shows, and you know that it would explain why a lot of the producers got let go. You know, who knows what the big motivating factor here is? Obviously, money. So let's, yeah, it's weird because we, we have a lot more questions than answers. So let's talk about who's going to benefit from this because there's some of these guys that, let's face it, we've been saying for years would be better off if they got let go. You got your Rusev. Hold on, though. Before we move on, I don't want to really gloss over that point that Dave just made that it wasn't just wrestlers. You had producers let go. Like, think about the irony of IRS getting let go on April 15th. No, that's a good one. Not only that, but writers have been let go. Producers have been let go. Trainers at NXT have been let go. Yeah, I mean, but you lost Fit Finley, the guy who's been agenting a lot of your ladies' matches. And maybe has been a big part of that women's evolution. Every lady who's a who's who of the women's revolution came out yesterday with tweets in support of Fit Finley. So that's a pretty big deal in letting him go. Now, from what yeah. I heard, I believe a lot of the agents or guys kind of of that stature were more furloughed, that they're kind of let go for now, but there is kind of an open door to come back eventually. I don't know about this talent because it's not like they let go necessarily top-of-the-line people for them. Well, I think what I would be worried about is how do you collect unemployment as a producer for the WWE? I mean, how do you file that with unemployment? Well, I'm looking for work, but there's not a lot of wrestling promotions that are looking for producers right now. (laughs) They're in a better spot than I'd say wrestlers who they, they actually have a job so if they have a pinch list, they can they can at least apply for it. It's kind of tough with those independent contractors where I think the laws are coming around a little bit for them, but they're not guaranteed that protection. And that's the wrestlers, that the wrestlers were told that they're welcome to come back after all this is over, possibly as well. They didn't obviously nothing was set in stone, but it was made mentioned that there was a point that they could be hired back down the road when all this is over. A lot of the wrestlers that we talked about also reacted with, oh, thank God, finally I'm free. That was very resolved. I would say that split. Obviously, Drake Maverick was not happy. There were a lot of other people, I think, that were taken off guard by this. But yes, there were wrestlers who didn't mind. Deanna Perrazzo was very vocal that you know, she was ready to move on. That was one I was very surprised by because of the people that were on deck in in NXT, I thought she had the most upside. She is one of the best women's wrestlers on the indie circuit. I have been pissed off for months as to the treatment of Deanna Parazza. Deanna Parazza is one of the best technical and character wrestlers in the world when it comes to women. And the fact that they've been burying her, now obviously we follow her on Twitter and we can see that people, you know, commented to her constantly, why are they not using you right? Why are you getting buried? Why are you getting buried to Nia Jax? And people are constantly asking her this and she was playing a very good job with the political correctness of, hey, it's my job, I'm happy to be here. But the moment they let her go, the truth came out. Hey, how about this, too? One thing that was kind of lost in all this, but did anybody notice that none of the SmackDown wrestlers actually got let go? You mean the one that's paid for by Fox with a shitload of money? You betcha. <laughs> Coincidental, I'm sure. I, I, yeah, I just, not a lot of people talked about it, but it was something that was noticed by uh, some mutual friends of ours, and I was like, huh, 
Yeah, you're right. There's not one SmackDown talent on there. <laughs> well, well, something. Really, we, not Jack Something, no, something we texted about yesterday was Gallows and Anderson are let go. You're talking, yeah. uh, but not AJ, obviously. But you're giving Gallows no, and Anderson a chance to actually go back to some of the Bullet Club there. They can either go to Japan and work, or they can come home to AEW and work with the rest of their Bullet Club members. Well, I gotta be honest, I kind of saw that coming because they're on like their third episode. They release on Sundays, but they revamped their Talk and Shop podcast with Rocky Romero. And they haven't been saying anything specific, but there have kind of been hints that something might be up. I personally love them on the open market because they are two of the funniest guys I've ever heard do a podcast outside of ourselves. I'm interested to see them with a microphone and with nobody telling them what to say. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you two other things here. Cody Rhodes last night gave a big shout out to Zack Ryder and talked about how this kid's constantly been overlooked and rebuilding himself over the last few years. And no matter what he does, I'm sure he'll be successful. I think Zack Ryder could be somebody who might be able to do some stuff. About 10 years ago, he got himself over uh, through the internet before anyone else was really doing it. Well, 10, another, year, uh, 10 uh, years ago, I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon sat there and went, all right, we're going to lock this guy in forever, and we're going to teach this motherfucker not to get over on his own. <laughs> It was his boy who well, dreamed to be there, too. <laughs> I was going to say, that brings up an interesting point. How is Dolph Ziggler feeling this morning? Unlucky? <laughs> you know, like, I went to see his comedy show about a year ago this time, and he didn't say anything directly, because you never say never in the business. But he, the tone of the show was that he might not necessarily be going back. And I feel like he's the type of guy that would almost be missing... Like, he missed an opportunity not getting cut here. Well, that paycheck's got to be amazing. But, I mean, these guys have artistic freedom ahead of them now. The thing that people forget also is Dolph was one of the people who, when uh, Zack Ryder was doing his original uh, series there that got him over, Dolph was a regular who showed up on that all the time. And I think that got him a little bit in the doghouse also. Can't believe something Benjamin survived this. Well, he is Brock's it's, best friend. <laughs> and it is weird who they keep and who they let go at this moment. Like, you look at these guys that seem to be cut willy-nilly, and yet Matt Hardy wanted to leave for how long? And they kept him on? Well, I wanted to leave for how long and they kept him on? Yeah, but that's, you know, a lot could have changed recently with the pandemic and everything like that and whatever's spooked about these TV contracts. If he wasn't worried about money, he might have kept these motherfuckers on the contract. Well, we talked about the Revival all of a sudden being let go last week and how, yeah. how it was weird that they weren't given the 90 days, weren't given any of the stuff that usually happens. And now it makes a lot more sense with these cuts this week. Well, right, and the thing about it is even companies like AEW are probably not in a hurry to sign anybody just yet. They probably want to wait to get back to live TV to be sure what's going on. Well, the funny thing is with AEW is a lot of the guys who you're seeing in the crowd play the crowd people are not people that are necessarily under contract to AEW, but people that are trying to get a job with AEW. Yeah, a lot of them yeah, are One of the big standouts I wanted to mention is a guy named Sugar Dunkerton, Otherwise oh, yeah. known as Sugar G or Pineapple Pete. I, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure his name's Pineapple Pete, but whatever. <laughs> and he's actually a part of this week's guest, David Starr's Weezy Independence, 
he does a show on there called Indie Till Infinity where he interviews deaf, different artists. He keeps it mainly to wrestling, but he does want to branch out. I haven't listened to all of them yet, but I'm progressing through. And he is one of the bigger surprises I saw pop up on uh, Dynamite lately. I enjoyed his personality. His work in the ring, I think, left a little bit to be desired. He wasn't horrible, but... I, I thought his personality definitely shines through. One thing before maybe we start talking about last night's shows, too. I do want to say something. I don't know if you guys remember this, but years ago, back in the ECW days, Fonzie was about to lose his job. He was involved, I want to say, with maybe some of the phone tampering or something. And Fonzie was associated with some guys. I don't remember the whole story, but he was going to lose his job. And a lot of the boys loved Fonzie. And he had this match with, uh, I want to say it was, uh, yeah, it was Blue, Blue McGillicuddy. And they just tore the house down. Fonzie bled. Everybody loved it. And it saved his job. I would like to What was that name? Blue, Blue, Blue <laughs> I, I was like, was he the leader of the Blue World Order? No. <laughs> Or, or are you talking about Beulah? Hold on, motherfucker, hold on. <laughs> I want to say before you get me off track, I hope that something like this maybe happens with Drake Maverick. I hope that maybe he has great outings in this tournament and maybe they give him a chance. I doubt it will, but I think it would make a, for a good story. I'm just glad you brought up like Tommy Dreamer's wife, Blue McGillicuddy. <laughs> I, I personally feel like Drake Maverick is almost the most fucked out of anybody because if you look at the American indie scene, you can go other places and do fairly well. What's a big place in the UK indie scene that you can go that isn't fucking with WWE right now? Well, that and Drake, yeah, well, Drake Maverick's also over here on a work visa, so what's to stop that from getting pulled? Right. Oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Now, is his wife American? His wife is, but, you know, they haven't consummated it. Oh, shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we go totally off the rails, I don't want to get off this everybody leaving the company, because I want to do something real quick. Sure. I want to take a few of the names and kind of see where they could go, where they might fit going on. Where do you guys see Gallows and Anderson going? New Japan or AEW, or both? Gotta be. Gotta be either one of those, yeah. or they could work out an agreement doing both, like Kenny Omega still does, like Moxley still does. Yeah. You guys don't think they'd have a chance getting into MLW? Uh, they do. Uh, I think they're, they're about the money, too, a little bit, though. They're going to strike up big money deals. That, and where's the best storyline going to be for them? Yeah, but also, too, they stayed with WWE. Why? Because of the money. Exactly. They, they, you know, they have a lot of fun with each other. So, Not that it means anything, but they are on the MLW radio network for their podcast. So that's hey, they might do some shows. What's that? They might do some shows with MLW. That's true. A lot of people... I don't know, like, I just see them in MLW for some reason because of that. Now, uh, the harder pick is wait, Brian Myers and Zack Ryder. Now, wait a minute, real Where quick, do you Joe. Them Joe, I don't want to gloss over something you mentioned. You mentioned um, Gallows and Anderson being on the MLW Podcast Network. MLW Podcast Network is notorious for locking people into long-term contracts also. If you remember, Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson thought that they were going to be able to jump ship and just go right over to another podcast network, and they ended up being locked in deeper than they thought with MLW when their um, 
contract ended up being a three-year contract instead of the one-year contract that they thought it was. With all due respect, shut the fuck up because Court Bowers can lock us down to any type of contract. No, no, no. Oh, I agree. But I'm just saying that that might be why Luke Gallows and Anderson are still locked in MLW um, podcasting. Well, you know what, too, though? It's like I heard Conrad was asking about the revival on, uh, I think it was Iron Anderson's podcast. And they were saying, man, like, yeah, it'd be cool to see him at AEW, but boy, we just want to see him stop over for a cup of coffee at the NWA. It's like, you know, like, yeah, I would love to see that. Of course. But they're one, one of the few teams that really fit in there. Yeah. Now, guys, where do you see Mike Kyoto ending up? Or, no, fuck that. Let's go back to Myers and Ryder. Yeah, I think Ryder might have been the AEW guy. Ryder, I think, is the best fit for AEW. Myers is a little bit more, I think, suited for NWA or, to be honest with you, Ring of Honor. I know he doesn't like to travel as much, and with Ring of Honor being a lot closer to where his home is in Long Island, I could see that. Okay. I just, like, how big would the internet break when Zack Ryder appears on Being the Elite? Oh, or even oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Somehow, like, in days. Almost as big as trying to find Cole Cabana every episode. <laughs> now, where do you guys see Mike and Maria Canellis going? Back to uh, Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I see I really? see him going back to Ring of Honor. Yeah, I don't see... Maybe NWA, but I don't see big paydays in their future. I think this was the biggest payday they were going to get. I think the problem is, is they did so much damage to themselves with the characters that they were playing. And you got to remember, they weren't mega stars before they came. They were big in Ring of Honor, but it's not like they were international mega stars. I don't know. Maria's ass is a star wherever. Yeah, that's true. Maria could fit anywhere, yeah. Now, now, guys, we haven't even, we've glossed over this, and we haven't even talked about the biggest star that's been like, up. why are we not mentioning No Way Jose? Oh, I'm sorry, I meant Rusev. I, I mean, I thought, I thought you were going to bring up Howard Finkel being let go from life, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, well... Hold on. Shout uh, out to Howard... I can't believe Howard Finkel won anything. It was based on, wait, wait a minute, wait, when you think of just, Jesus Christ, he just died. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the, the late, great Howard Finkel won anything. <laughs> wait a minute, who would you pick as the great ring announcer? Michael Buffer? I mean, he's the one we most know for boxing. Okay, uh, he wasn't WCW's Nitro's main ring announcer for the heyday of WCW Nitro? Well, I think of pro wrestling announcers, I think of Howard Finkel. And I would say, yeah, you could argue Buffer was definitely better. Gary Michael Capetto? But, but yeah, he was number two. Mark Lorenz? We're about to lose We're about to lose GMC on that. We got him lined up. He's going to hear this shit and be like, fuck y'all, I'm not number two. Yeah, to me. Uh, you're right, you're right. Hey, yo, Gary, you're number one, baby. We'll get you. I was going to say, to me, he was already number one. number one now. Tony Chimmel? <laughs> Brandy <Jesus> Rhodes? Right. <laughs> All right, now you're just lying to the people. <laughs> now, one thing I want to bring up, AJ, is you hear about all this money trouble because of the coronavirus, but we haven't even talked about the XFL bankruptcy. See, now, I was a big fan of the XFL. I was watching every week. I was even taping it and watching it. 
So, so, so I'm a little heartbroken over this. I do think it's a, it was a chapter 11 bankruptcy. So it's something that allows them to actually regroup basically without having to pay creditors. So, so it's a chance for yeah, them to still have see, a season next year. But did you see one of the interesting things where this big man made this whole big thing about WWE being a separate thing from the XFL. And then when you look at the two like people holding shares, it's Vince McMahon with the most shares, and then World Wrestling Entertainment with the next the next controlling interest. Well, not only that, but Vince McMahon... Or not controlling interest, but next percentage. Well, not only that, but me and Dave talked about this a couple weeks ago with the XFL and with Vince McMahon and stock options. He did something dirty a few weeks ago that a lot of people in the stock market were not fans of, and it's one of the reasons why the WWE dropped a little bit in stock was because he started selling off his shares with um, his own controlling, but with him still being able to control an interest. So he started off selling off big chunks of his stocks, but with the deal in place that when he stole, sold off the stocks, that he wouldn't lose any control over the company. By the way, uh, since we're talking stock, just so you know, the stock actually closed higher yesterday. It actually went up. Yeah, the actual um, WWE stock went up because they started actually yeah. selling off everybody or letting everybody go. So they're looking right, at that's it as, what I want to say. So that could be another reason for cuts too. Oh, that is the reason for cuts because uh, stockholders were saying, "Hey, you can't be spending this money when we're trying to freaking um, stay afloat here." Well, guys, let's kind of let's kind of switch it up here because we've been talking about these releases for a while. Where are you guys personally or kind of morally with the WWE running shows right now? Because I listened to the post rundown this morning, post wrestling, and they are very kind of down on the fact that shows are still going on. How do you guys feel about it? Well, yeah, let's talk about that because right now they're the only guys that can do this. WWE? Yeah, WWE, right. Yeah, pronoun style. (laughs) But I can't. Like, AEW and WWE were both running live as live as they could, and then they were taped. Well, then they were taping. They were both taping. And, you know, like, honestly, like, I, I don't know if it was on, I think it was on most. I think Wade actually brought it up. At one point, you would have said WWE was actually taking more precautions than AEW. Like, AEW actually had people out in the crowd, which I love, by the way, from a artistic standpoint, but might be a little more dangerous in these times. However... In the last few weeks, with WWE going live and bringing old man Jerry Lawler in, clearly they are being the more reckless of the two companies. Okay. Now, I will say this. Hold on. I just want to get this out. When My point is, it's horrible, but after AEW runs out of all their tapings and we're getting to May and we got to go to Double or Nothing, I do want to see these other companies, how they react, because they might go live every week as well. So here's my thought process. This is the reason why I think AEW can go to tape. AEW can stay with tape because they're not letting anyone go. WWE, if they had stayed with taped product and let all these people go, what are the chances that none of these people they let go would have been on tape? So now you have to go back to live because you let so many people go that you have to come up with new show. They could start taping now if they wanted to. That they could do. But once again, is it more reckless to do shows that are shorter and get people in and out? Or is it more reckless to have a day where you have everybody there and you're trying to tape six hours at once or however many hours? 
depends on these people if they're flying in and out how much. If they're mm. staying in the area for the next couple months, then that's fine. But if they're having to fly in and out, then that's where the risk is. And I think if you look at what they're doing, look how much NXT talent they've been using, look how, for these live shows, all of a sudden you're seeing people and they're like, oh, these guys are getting a chance. Well, they're getting a chance because they're the only people there. Yeah, so that's an interesting point. Let's segue to that a little bit. Let's talk about a little wrestling from last night because obviously with uh, the coronavirus and the cut, we also have people still in Europe that can't leave. So Matt Riddle uh, ended up uh, wrestling last night against the uh, Undisputed Era. Tag title match, no Pete Dunn, but that led to the debut of, of Thatcher. <laughs> that was the highlight of the night for me. I am a huge Timothy Thatcher fan. I think he's absolutely incredible, and I love seeing yeah. it. Love his style. I, I heard about it, and I was happy to hear about kind of that catch point resurgence that was that big faction in Evolve two years ago or so. Yeah. Oh, and a yeah. lot of these guys are in the WWE system. Yeah, you got Gulak, and you've got Thatcher, you've got Riddle. You, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. Also, also last night there was a video package on uh, Eldo Fantasma coming in for the Cruiserweight uh, interim title. Yeah, I saw that. For people who don't know, that was King Quavo on uh, Lucha Underground. Yes. King Quavo. He's actually just yeah, yeah. yeah, he's actually just now gotten out of his um, Lucha Underground contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's only a joke for those who know about those contracts. What about the debut of Tour Cross last night? I thought that was a great debut. You I see loved it. Yeah, you I see Scar- you see Scarlet's boot and you see Killer Cross's beautiful face. <laughs> what other way should it be done? <laughs> exactly. I mean I have yet to see it, but I will watch it tonight and I'm sure love it. Uh, it yeah, was a good it was a good way of doing it. To have him come I up and I don't want to spoil it for you, but he comes and but I'm gonna tell you <laughs> but I'm but I'm gonna but I'm gonna tell you exactly what he does. Um <laughs> Right. He, he comes up behind Appa while Chapa's saying he's going to be a man of his word and everything's all done with him and Gargano. And all of a sudden, you see Chapa just grab from behind and Killer Cross just beats the crap out of him. You don't see it, but you the camera's shaking and everything, and you can hear it. And then they just show um, Chapa laying on the ground with Killer Cross's face um, laying just over him, and you see Scarlet's boot right next to his face. Yes, and Cross goes TikTok. Exactly, which I just assume means yeah. we should follow him on TikTok. Yeah, I imagine. I'm all about this segment, but I don't know what the fuck TikTok is. Something <laughs> about dancing, I think. Yeah, I don't dance that boogie. Yeah. You both watched AEW last night, right? Yes. I made it most of the way through, and I'm catching up currently, actually. All right, well, then hear him off if you want, because I want to ask AJ his opinion on Mock versus Hager, and then I want to give mine. Wow. So, as you know, I've, I've been a little bit easier on the no fans than you have. I've enjoyed it a little bit more. Sure. This match was Which not... Which is ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> This match is not one of those occasions. I did not enjoy this match. It was the only time during the night that I actually fast-forwarded. I did not think that they okay. kept... Did you say it was flatter than piss on a plate? Yeah, that's what I would say. I think that with fans there, say- you might have had more reaction, and they would have flowed better. But to me, they they just didn't click. And I know, And I know... Jim Ross loved it. I know people on the internet are talking about how much they loved it. And it's going to... Well, su- some hated it. It was all right. But, but I know it's going to surprise you a little bit. I didn't like it. 
Okay, so here's what I think about it. First off, uh, much like Edging Orton at WrestleMania, I just don't think it's the right style of match right now. No. It didn't go as long. And also, and, and look, if there was matches taking place with crowds and then you did this, I think it would have been a lot over with everybody. I think these guys did, a, and, I, and I love Edge Norton, and everybody knows out of all these guys, I'm a bigger Edge fan than anybody. But I do think these guys did a better job of trying to get over what they were doing. It just still felt flat for me. And with the announcers, I want to say it was uh, Saxton and uh, Phillips at Mania, they were doing like a whisper thing where they were trying to put over the seriousness of Edge Norton. And yeah. it really felt flat. Whereas I thought Jim did a good job in this segment, but ultimately it's still just not the way to do it right now. And I think that's what's falling flat. Where you got one guy doing commentary out there. Look, we can talk about Jim not being in his prime anymore, or still one of the best of all time, whatever. But that's something me and AJ were going to debate here a little bit, too, how, like, play-by-play guys versus color guys. I'm a big believer that play-by-play guys also do what you need. However, in this time period, with empty arena and very little fans, it's a color guy like Chris Jericho who is shining and giving me what I want right now, a break, entertainment. Yeah, I think we can both agree that Bobby Heenan would have done much better. We will talk about that at another time, you fuck. <laughs> Now, would this be the time for a three-man booth? Do you have that third man to put in whatever the fuck he's going to do? Here's the issue with that. We're not supposed to even have two guys really near each other. They all got to be six inches apart. Uh, six <laughs> feet, Dave. Six they feet. don't even have to be in the same area. They could be voicing it over live separately, you know, or they could all be on three separate sides of the ring, and each guy is performing a separate task. It might be easier separated from somebody else. By the way, I know we're all over the place here, but uh, AJ will appreciate this. I saw an interview with Ox yesterday on Wrestling Observer Live, and uh, he was talking about how his wife has been cooking for him every day, like 20 meals a day, and Mike Sempervini said, uh, well, be careful. We don't want you to get, you know, like too full before your big match tonight. And Mox, to his credit, said, well, I'm not going to insult the people's intelligence and pretend this is why. We taped it about two, three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, am I still champion or not? Well, you got to tune in and find out. He says, no matter what, I'll tell you what, with my wife right now, I feel like a champion. And I thought that was a great way to answer. No, definitely. And Mox is good. And Mox, his style of wrestling is interesting. Last night, I just didn't think it clicked with, with Swagger. Agreed. How would a WWE sorry. personality have handled that? <laughs> well, not as good. <laughs> they did the best they could under those circumstances. The only guy who maybe might have been able to pull it off a little better because he has uh, experience in MMA announcing would have been Morrow. Maybe Morrow could have done a better job in that situation, and maybe he could have got it over. Oh, but yeah. That's about it. Yeah, well, considering we talked about what I thought of Ciampa and Gargano, and... <laughs> Their match last yeah. week and how little um, I thought Morrow did to help that one. I think you can tell what I think of that. Yeah, well, it's, it's just it's a little bit different. But I, I, I think at the end of the day, these matches are just hard to get over right now. It is. The the, yeah. Like you said earlier, and this is one of the few times me and Dave are going to completely agree on something. Chris Jericho has turned out to be a shining light on the announced teams. He's gold right now. And I'm going to give AEW credit. Slash, like, it's probably a little bit of luck, too. But putting the wrestlers out there just to create an atmosphere of noise is just adding so much more. When they get back, I don't know if they'll be able to do that. But as long as they can do that and they have, like, cool little, like, 
vignettes with, you know, Matt Hardy, the inner circle and stuff. It adds to these shows. Well, I think, and uh, I would say, man, Keith Jericho on the color commissary side right now, he's just gold. Now, I got to tell you, when it comes to the vignettes that we've seen, and you know how big of a fan I am of vignettes, the best vignettes that I've seen so far are actually Brody Lee and Jake the Snake Roberts every week is coming through with a good vignette. And I think both of them have done a lot better than Matt Hardy, in my opinion. No arguments. I, I think both of them are coming through. And I'm not surprised so much by Jake the Snake because, let's face it, Jake's promos have been a highlight since we were kids. But so far, Brody yeah. Lee is killing it. I'm going to pitch this just to Joe, and then, Adrian, you can answer as well. One thing, we don't really get like, a lot of predictions and stuff here all the time. What do you think uh, will be the finals of this TNT title tournament? Oh. I figure Lance Archer's got to be going over. AJ, who do you think getting it? I think it's got to be Lance Archer and Cody. I mean, you've got Cody up against the winner of, what is it, Darby Allen and, yeah, and then you have, I think it's, I think it's going to be Lance Archer versus Cody. And it's going to be Lance yeah, Archer Lance versus Lance. Dustin next, so. Right, it's going to be tough to get Clyde Stabian, yes. <laughs> Which I think he will. But, but I think that he's going to do something to hurt Dustin in that match, and it's going to cause even more of what what's going to happen when it's Cody versus Lance Archer. Joe, I'll turn it over to you. Is there anything you want to address also to that? How have you guys been liking NWA's handling of not being able to film things, yet still putting out products? Last week, they did a classic Houston wrestling episode, which I love. And this week, they did the build-up to Aldis and Girl, kind of like an old highlight video. I thought it was great, and it's a way to still put out content, yet not necessarily have to do something new. Topic, all right, fun. Yeah, I like the show, too. I'm, I'm on board. I like the fact that they're giving us content. Uh, especially for me because I hadn't seen a lot of these specials they were running before that too, like the 75th anniversary show and some of the other stuff they've been doing. So I'm excited and they're doing the uh, Crockett Cup, I know, this Sunday from last year. It's a lot of fun. No, it's just they're doing the best they can with what they got anyway. I'm excited that uh, we actually are getting some new content next week though. Camille's going to make her debut and she's going to speak. Something that... uh you know, that they had it in the can and never got aired. We're going to see it next week. And uh, I'm excited. I, I'm interested to see what NWA keeps doing. I, I don't know how long they'll be able to come up with stuff, but I'm excited to see what they're doing. They got me interested. I like Joe. I love the Houston wrestling. I think it's great to get to go back and watch some of the great old wrestling from the Paul, Paul Balsh, um, Bosch, sorry, tournament area, territory uh-huh. area. I was going to say, what was that name there for a second? Yeah, the Paul Bosch um, t- territory down Paul there. Paul Bosch and Bloody McGillicuddy. Exactly, two of our favorites. So that's been a great time. And then also, I think that the build-up for Aldis and um, Skrull is absolutely fantastic. I've been a Skrull fan ever since he helped the Bucks kill um, Adam Cole. I think that he's just an incredible worker. I think that he doesn't get enough credit because of his size, unfortunately. But I think that what he's done with Villain Enterprises and what he's done in his career, uh, it, great self-marketer. But right, NWA is doing the right stuff. Else? We still haven't talked about Rusev. you going with their programming? Because they do, because they've got to be running down to the end of their live event. They yeah, have a match to write off MJF. That's Are a they, good question. I think they got probably another at least two weeks of content, maybe three weeks of content, take from the big super show they did out of Triple A. 
And after that, uh, yeah. after that, which by the way, did you see any of you see MLW last week from the show from Mexico? I did not. I am not yet. Up? I didn't mean to catch up. Fuck it. Hey, man. There's a uh, Spanish wrestler, Luchador Ortiz, his tag match against Savio. I'm forgetting his partner's name now, but it was against Savio and Mance. And they Mance powerbombed through a flaming table. He was caught on fire. Like, Mance had to literally put him out. This guy is insane. <laughs> I tell you, like, Mexico is a, a different animal, man. Like, the wrestling down there sometimes, like, obviously there's a lot of front flying, but man, when the, the brawlers down there, when they want to brawl, they beat the shit out of each other. Oh, absolutely. Hey, that was at the crash, right? That was AAA. Oh, it's AAA. It's AAA and MLW, yeah. I'm a big fan of hardcore luchadors. That's why right now I'm currently trying to find Luchasaurus's tail. <laughs> Uh, so you can fall and being the lead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, during my downtime, have rewatched every episode of Being the Elite. Yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, 199. And the 199th one is three parts. So 200 is actually this Monday. Yes, but like I said, 199 has been three parts. For 200th, yeah. it's going to be Nick and Matt Jackson wrestling each other, and that's going to be to get Matt Jack uh, to get Nick ready to wrestle again. Yeah, on the being the elite compound. Yes, which is apparently they have a tennis court with a basketball court and a wrestling ring. Yeah, they've been having matches the last few weeks, Jeff. <laughs> I've actually enjoyed. I've well, actually enjoyed the jobbers that they have. Yeah, they have like the jobber battle royal where uh, <laughs> I think you have to eliminate both jobbers at the same time. Or well, both jobbers can cut. Well, they did it in a Royal Rumble style where people were coming in every um, 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Yeah. And jobbers were allowed to come in two at a time. Yeah. Yes. Also, Scorpio Sky had already been eliminated. I believe Matt went over and blocked um, his shot, super kicked him, and then jumped off his back to dunk the basketball. It was Nick, but yeah. Sorry, great. Nick. Sorry. Sorry. Both the hairlines are going so much. the elite? Yeah, they've been doing like half hour episodes these last couple ones. Uh, uh, SCU, SCU, yeah. were one and two were um, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, and then number three was actually um, the Fallen Angel who came in and actually stopped them from fighting each other. So they both tossed him out. It was it was quite delightful. Yeah, I'll have to check that out then. Yes, they uh, truly are being the elite. We're Guys, we're the elite ourselves. All right. Guys, one thing I want to talk about before we switch gears, and this is something I want to talk about since the beginning of this, Rusev, Rusev I mean, Rusev has got to be the biggest free agent that's leaving. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, I mean, he's, def- he's got the most upside. I don't think Rusev is going to make a move right away, like a lot of these guys. Man, I mean, I'm going to say AEW's the smart money. I mean, we uh, talked. We talked about Zack Ryder getting himself over, and then the WWE screwing him. Who has gotten themselves over more than Rusev on multiple occasions? And the WD, uh-huh. WWE just done nothing. He even came back in the best shape of his life, and WWE is like, "No, nah, we're not going to use this guy." It'll be interesting to see what happens with Rusev because uh, here's what I'm sure AJ will be upset about too: is the AEW has never made a reference towards Russo, but they have referenced certain guys they would be interested in. Cody Rhodes in particular. Like, one was Cesaro, who did not let go, which I'm sure AJ was pissed off about. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I kind of think that, uh, I've heard they don't want too many WWE guys, but I think Rusev would be just a great addition to anybody's roster. 
he's he's actually one we talked about MLW with his style. He's one that I could oh, see yeah. completely in MLW with that smash mouth, just let's go style. I think uh, he would fit would in beautifully. I'd love to see him in MLW or NWA. That would be just an absolute treat. Absolutely. Yeah, end it, end it for us, Dave. Tell the people where to go. All right. You guys can go straight to hell. Exactly. We're out. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you for tuning in this no, week no. For, the fan, for the Working Fans Podcast. We love having you. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Working Fans Podcast. Today, we are joined by the cream in your coffee, your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler, the Jewish canon, the physical embodiment of charisma, the most entertaining man in professional wrestling. This one's a little tough today. The Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, the best of the best, Mr. American Rana, Davey Wrestling, the 104-minute man, the main event, he's really good at Twitter. He's the king of taunts, the product, and today's guest on the Working Fans Podcast, David Starr. David, how are you doing today? I'm good. You got, you got all of the nicknames. <laughs> I got to tell you, I was worried about that because I've seen Rich Palladino do it time after time again. And I'm like, that's amazing. And then I'm looking at him and I'm like, holy shit, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Rich is, Rich is kind of like, kind of like where it started, really. Uh, Rich Palladino was the first one because I just wanted a bunch of nicknames and I just told him to give me a bunch. And he made up. Like a whole list, you would just say a bunch of them, and I gave him a few, and then I started growing them to a set list. But Rich is the one who came up with the cream in your coffee, so that's that's Rich Paladino's. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Now, we don't often talk politics on here, but it's kind of topical. Bernie Sanders dropping out of the presidential race today. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously it's disappointing. Like, you, can't, you can't say it's not. But at the end of the day, the I think... You can't say that the establishment of the Democratic Party out-organized Bernie. There's some faults you could look at in the campaign, but I do think that he stuck to his, his principles the whole time through. I think he still has the right positions. I think a lot of people, when you saw all the exit polls, agreed with his agenda, but were basically told that they didn't think he could beat Trump. They didn't. They weren't given the permission. It seemed. It seemed like that was what people wanted. They're. They're more. They're, they were asked. The question is, if it's a binary choice of, would you rather a candidate you agree with or one that can beat Trump? As if, like, Bernie couldn't be both. You know, like, everyone agreed with Bernie, but he couldn't beat Trump. Why is that? He absolutely, there was no reason why he couldn't. He pulled better than everybody else in those swing states, the most important states. And we'll see what happens now with Biden, who I'm, I'm extremely nervous about in November, if the election happens in November. So, I mean, yeah, it's disappointing, but, you know, Bernie, the whole movement, the the idea of these, these politics is, it's way more than one electoral campaign, way more than that. And Bernie's not the type of guy who's going to stop fighting for that. He's going to keep going, I'm pretty sure, till like, his last breath, he's going to be a fighter the whole time. So, it's, it's disappointing that he won't be president but it is what it is fight goes on yeah i was looking at the calendar today and i realized the first night of passover so thank you very much for joining us i hope we didn't interrupt you at all for that no no actually uh no you're cool man the the tesco near us the market doesn't have any any like passover stuff 
nothing like that. We've had to go to, there's like a nut, a much bigger store, but we have to walk there. It's like a further walk and to get to like a kosher section and all that for anything like that. And I'm supposed to have a, like a Zoom Seder with a few of my friends this weekend. So that'll be, that'll be cool. And I'm going to talk to my mom and my dad and just try and just, try and keep it as much as we can have maybe have our own little dinner here but uh, no you didn't interrupt anything tonight we're just gonna just kind of relax and <laughs> now are grocery supplies over there as blown out as they are over here they were i mean for, for, i mean it seems like things are getting a little bit more normal as far as you know people aren't like hoarding yeah. everything they're not you know they're not like over shopping or panic panic buying and stuff it seems now that that's over and there is this like you know almost regular routine like now you know everyone you're in, there is like normal stocks of toilet paper seems to be happening a lot now oh, um, wow, over I... here over here like yeah. they're at that point you know like it's like oh okay there is toilet paper here that's not like this you know like golden object now all of a sudden <laughs> so, so things, are, things are getting they're getting okay but but, but yeah, that, that definitely was the case at first. I've got to ask you, you've got a podcast called We The Independent. The Twitter's at We The Indie. Website, WeTheIndependent.com. What does independent wrestling mean to you, being that you branded your company that way? Well, we wanted, the idea of independent is not just about like literal independent wrestling. Like Obviously, there's a connection there because I think independent wrestling has this aura, this vibe to it. I think independent wrestling is kind of, is very counterculture, very anti-establishment. I think there is this punk rock feel to what independent professional wrestling is, this underground community, you know? That's just how, just how it, it, it seems to be. And there's a, there's a real bond between the performers and the, and the fans. So that's kind of, obviously we're, we're borrowing from that but the idea of being independent is just standing up for yourself and recognizing your own power and and that we are able to stand up for ourselves and it, that, that's kind of kind of what it's supposed to be about what the idea is supposed to embody but in the, that, that's what independent wrestling is to me and yeah I guess I'm happy uh, I guess I'm happy to have to have branded myself by that because I, I think indie wrestling is cool yeah, and I mean, from listening to the podcast, basically you're trying to include various artists, and long story short about independent, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically you guys want to give artists a chance to get into equity, the, the union, so they can be fairly compensated, right, and be able to organize in a way. Well, yeah, so we're taking a... We're a merchandising company and then we're taking portions of our proceeds and we're taking that money and we're sponsoring wrestlers in the UK into equity membership. So we're basically sponsoring their union dues. So we're paying for their union memberships. And with, with that union membership, you get like a bunch of different benefits, which are like super awesome. Some of which only came through because of our campaign with the independent and equity uh, working together uh, along with help from like Eve and stuff like that to finally get wrestlers included on equities insurance like disability welfare insurance so if a wrestler gets hurt they can still get paid for shows they miss like it's 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 pretty it's pretty fantastic the benefits you get with that and part of that also when you join equity is 
it does give you more collective power. So then we have the idea of being a subsection of equity, being a wrestler's, wrestler, a wrestler's protection thing. We're also looking to have codes of conduct that are negotiated through equity. And the more promotions that sign up to that, it almost can become a little mini unionized territory. And you could have, it, it, it's, we're way, way, way far away from all that. But like, those are like the things you can build to, to create an independent wrestling scene that has a good safety net for the independent wrestlers that are, that are a part of it. Yeah, you really got to start somewhere. And I really connected with your whole movement because a year ago, the grocery store that I work for, we actually went on strike for, it was like a good week. It's actually coming up the anniversary of it, April 11th this year. And oh, hell yeah. Well, what, were you, what were you striking for? We, it was, the company wanted to cut back on benefits it was giving us. And all the union was trying to do was keep what we had. And as it went on, it just became a thing where they wouldn't budge. So we went on strike and it was, I was one of the few people that kind of had hurt feelings over it. Cause I felt like neither side cared and I came out of the strike really jaded. And then I've been a fan of yours for years and I happened to cross your podcast and the urgency with which you talk and the conviction with which you speak, I've never heard. And then it made me realize how lucky I am to be in a union and how the carefree kind of existence I have is only because there's those guarantees. So when you talk about codes of conduct for them to work with, I saw that when going to other jobs last summer, when they got like one break a day and I'm like, wait a minute, I got two breaks and a lunch coming to me if I'm here eight hours. And they just laugh. They're like, nah, bud, you work in a different place now. So I just wanted to thank you for really bringing the union talk to the front, especially when it's got to work against you a lot of times. I imagine it's got to cost you money and opportunities. How, how do you persevere in the face of that? Well, I mean, yeah, I've lost, I've lost a couple bookings from bookings and opportunities from things I've said and stuff. But it, you have to think, I guess you just think about what you're doing it for. <laughs> what was it? Eddie King, I, I can quote Eddie Kingston all, all the time. Uh, he said to me, he said, there's a price to being real and you don't take money with you to the grave. So, like, basically just, just be yourself, be real, just, Stay by whatever, whatever. You, what you think is what you think is the right thing to do is just what you should be doing. I guess that's it. I and I and I, I hate sounding any sort of kind of way like that because it just should. It just the things that we're talking about are things that should just be normal. Like when you talk to any other, when you talk with any other athlete, they have these protections. They have the ability to fight for their own terms and conditions. It's, it's little things like that. The pro wrestler is just not afforded the same, the same opportunities. So, and, and that's really, that's really what it should just be everybody waking up to. So I appreciate you saying that though, like, cause there is a, a huge, there's a massive amount of propaganda that is lobbied against unions from a lot of people. So I was, oh, well, even if something gets better for you, someone else is, Feeling from you then, and then you have the two biggest movies that have come out, or you just recently had like a what, like a an anti-union 
or The Irishman is this corrupt union movie that just came out and everyone's like all like weirded out by unions and that, you have to fight against that and realize that that's the only way we have to fight back against the people that actually have power. Oh yeah, we had people, it wasn't a lot of people because we did see a lot of support from the community. But there was a rare few that would scream at us, get a real job. Why do you, why are you guys being so greedy? And that really hurt because I'm like, how are we being greedy standing up for what we think is right in such a tough time, like right after the start of the new year? So different people view unions in different ways. And it's hard when you're on the other side of that and you just, you can't get through to them. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't, I think that there's a, I think there is an acceptance of what, of the way it is, and I, I think it, it appears to be such a daunting task to imagine anything different, and I think that really stifles people's imagination, and, and people fear change, and I, and I think that's a huge, huge reason why people fight change, they, they think, they think of like the idea of an overhaul of an economic system, or basically they think that anything that's not entirely 100% capitalist, which no one's like overthrown capitalism tomorrow. It's, I'm sorry, it's just not happening tomorrow. So everyone's gotta go, gotta chill out, but like we're just gonna balance the scales a little bit more, <laughs> you know? And we have to. Yeah. And, it, it, yeah, it, I think I, I don't. I think people get afraid of of something that's different. Now, do you come from a family of activists, or is this something that's particular to you? Because you're very outspoken, you're very well spoken about your stance. Is this a family thing, or is this just something you picked up? No, I mean I think it's a family thing to be loud, but. And my, the family thing to be loud, and, I, and my brother's also, uh, my brother's a working actor in New York. So, I mean, I guess we have a little bit of entertainers thing in, in, in us. But no, nothing politically like that at all. It's just, uh, I attach myself to it. I think that it's the most real thing that's, that's happening, the most relevant thing there is, what actually, it's what's, what's actually dictating lives. It's determining life and death. It's the most important thing there is, and uh, we need to do everything we can to prevent as much suffering as possible. As Joe's talking about, you know, you're a very good talker. I was just kind of wondering, like, when I watch you do uh, promos, who are some of your influences? Because, like, you, like, especially I was listening to, like, the one you did at Over the Top Rope about Moxley and the Black Machismo one for a few years ago. And I think like there's this element of realism in there, and I always think that those are the best promos. I think of guys like Terry Funk and people like that. So I'm just wondering, where do you get that influence from? Oh man, I just like honestly, it, I like watching all the all the great wrestling promo guys. I've watched a bunch of times, but I, I mostly like watching people that are like real athletes. Like I love watching Muhammad Ali stuff. I love watching like Floyd Mayweather and Conor uh, McGregor and all those guys. Those, those were those always entertaining. Deion Sanders as well, Terrell Owens. Like I, I like that kind of athlete. That that was like who I was like attracted to as a, as a fan. So that that's just always what I did. I just kind of try to do it my own way. Mm -hmm. I guess like how it, it felt natural to me. Like how I would act if I was mad or 
I don't know. I just try. I I always try to listen to the thing that I heard Jr. say on a shoot interview. It's like just be yourself, but turn turn it up to eleven. Like those are the best things that work, or or just the volume turned up on you, something like that. That's just always what I'm always trying to do in every aspect. So I try to think of how I would be as an athlete, because I and so I just kind of go into what I was like when I was an athlete, like wrestling in college and high school and how I acted and how I carried myself and the way I moved and the way that that's just what I always felt. That's the way I always tried to treat it. It goes with promos too. The gentleman at Over the Top Rope did I saw you did an interview with Agnes, I believe. <laughs> Angus. Angus. Yeah, Ango. Ango. Yeah. yeah, Angus McAnally. Yes, he uh, he plays off you very well, and like when I see you taking these digs, it almost reminds me of like something I would do, like to piss off like one of my exes or something. Like it's very quiet, almost like this like smug, like you would, you know. And like he looks legitimately angry, and it, you guys are really like it. it like it, it's a very engaging when I watch it. Angus the man, he's great. He's actually he's a I believe he's a working actor in Ireland. He's great. He, we always just go off the cuff all the time, and we just work off. And, and it's not even, like, we have this little rivalry thing we have. wasn't booked or anything like that. We just kind of, like, started. It just kind of has grown. And that's a great thing. Like, OTT is the best independent wrestling company in the world. It, it, it just is. <laughs> they, and Angus is one of the big reasons for it. He's, he's a great commentator. He's a great actor. He's great in his interviews. He does... He, he's he's fantastic. So everyone should go check out OTT, by the way. Go watch all of that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely uh, planning on it. Like, I, I saw some interviews and stuff. I was preparing for this, and I was like, okay, I have to see more of this. This is very well done. <laughs> so OTT is the best independent wrestling company in the world right now. It's like between, it's like OTT, Beyond, I'm trying to think of ones that are like actually just completely independent. OTT, Beyond... PWG, Game Changer, yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw you was Beyond Wrestling, and, like, the the thing, like, we talked about in the beginning, where you had the different nicknames with Rich there, and I'm like, it grabbed me right away, because this was, like, 2015, I want to say, and I was first getting back, like, like, I never really broke away from wrestling, but I hadn't kept up, like, with Independence, and a buddy of mine said, you gotta check out Independent Wrestling, and Beyond was one of the first shows I went to. And I just remembered that. It caught me right away. It was something different. And I was like, okay, I like this. I like the 10, 15 nicknames here. Beyond's the best. Like, I, I, Beyond's like one of my favorite places that I've ever worked for because I've been there for forever. If it wasn't for me putting over OTT so hard right there, it would be, you'd be hearing the same thing about Beyond. But Beyond is uh, so great. And they get, like, count in from the beginning, including... Before, even before I had any nicknames, and and then Rich Baldino, like I said before, he him helping me out, like kind of the length of time the nickname list was going to be, and then I, and Dan Barry being there gave me another nickname. There was a lot of Beyond actually very very linked to it. I mean, Mister American Rama is after Beyond's sure. big show, American Rama. Davy Wrestling is from a, a two like a two match feud I had with Johnny Gargano from Beyond Wrestling. So the, it, it's very it's very. Uh, intertwined with uh, Beyond. So I, I love that place. And thanks for even bringing that up. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I, I, haven't really been think, I haven't been thinking about wrestling that much over the past, you know, just sitting here in my with all the boredom around. No, 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 I get it. I get it, man. There's a lot of... To be distracted by. Well, how do you feel about that? I mean, WWE, AEW, and any company right now that's putting on a wrestling show in empty arenas. Where do you fall on that? Nah, not anymore, man. It's far. It's 
it's not not okay at this point. It shouldn't be happening. I did a uh, empty arena show, No Fans Monday, mm-hmm. and that was borderline and probably shouldn't have happened. But if there was anything done even the next day, that would have been totally out of bounds. We are clearly at the point now where awareness is, is enough to where we can't be having these these gatherings. You can't be having people travel in and out. It just, it's wrong. It sends the wrong message. It's just a wrong thing to do. It's, it's, it's risking workers' health. It's risking, it's just, it's wrong. Yeah. The longer we wait till lockdown, the longer we're going to have to wait to get to the other side of this. So, like, we just got to just, this almost just, should just be shut down. There's no excuse at this point. No, I understand. And, you know, it's funny, like, I'm a big MMA and UFC fan as well, and I hear Dana White, like, getting a private island to have fights. And I'm like, is yeah. this Mortal Kombat? Are we, like, we coming to the, like, what are we doing? You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, come on, man. Like, no, just postpone it. Just, right. But that, oh, it, it is insane that they're even even thinking about this. They'll do anything to make sure they, they make their money. It, it's ridiculous. It's, not, it's gross. It's gross. Let me ask you something else. Just going back to the wrestling, the artistic point of this. You said you were in an empty arena match. One thing I've noticed, and this isn't like talking about Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler, where there was like this story back in the day, but like I've noticed by watching empty arena matches with no story, just an empty arena match, it's very hard to get into without the fans. This is just my, I'm curious what you think, but like I noticed, right, it's hard to get into without the fans for me. I do tend to find the people who can verbalize more and actually talk will bring me in, and I, it's got to be muscle memory. I'm no way judging anybody. I totally get it. You still see people just instinctively playing to the crowd. What are your thoughts? How would you? How do you psychologically go into that? And like, what do you think? You just gotta in, in an empty arena, empty arena match. In my opinion, you just, just focus on the match. Just focus on on the match. You don't need to play. There's ways you can be like if you if you make it so that you're you're not like a hokey like playing to the crowd. You're not like a not like begging for it. If you come up with ways to do that in your actual matches when there were crowds, then you wouldn't be reliant on that and feel weird and empty arena match. You shouldn't be, we shouldn't be pandering so much anyway. We should kind of be more subtle about it. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. You know what I mean? Like, but, but we should limit, we should limit our direct pandering as much as we, as much as we can, I think. And if you just approach empty arena match just by focusing on the match itself, then you should be fine. It, it's it's rough, man. It's it's we it's weird. You know, if you're not used to it, especially it's weird. But mm. you get through it, and then if you're you know you, you you get through it, you focus on the match. You you try and just seem aggressive and make up for the lack of sound. And make sure they're not watching a silent movie. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's pretty much all you can do is have, try and have a good match, man. Yeah, I noticed the guys that like with a lot of experience, especially coming from the indies for a while, like Brian Danielson, they seem to really um, adapt better to it on a bigger stage. Almost like, you know, they were used to probably wrestling in front of small people, I'd imagine, too. So, they know. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I've wrestled in front of two people before. <laughs> I, think, I think that was there, was, a, there was a tweet that was going around that said, like, what's the smallest crowd you've wrestled in front of? And it was a bunch of people in single digits. You know, we're, we're, we're used to that, and that's way more terrifying than wrestling in front of thousands. Did you have a chance to see, um, I'll just call it, you know, whether it was online, uh, like the cinematic wrestling? And, I mean, we could look back at the stuff that Matt Hardy's done in the past, too, with Ultimate Deletion and stuff like that. But 
you know, there was a lot of talk this week about that. Like, what are your opinions about that? The cinema wrestling, I thought. No, I think it's cool, man. Why not? Yeah, no, no I, I agree. I'm open to all stuff in wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if it's any, if it gets, if it's, any, it's, dude, it's all, it's pro wrestling. It doesn't have, like, it, it doesn't have to be two guys in trunks that are pro wrestlers. Like, I, we, I accept the Undertaker because I, I'm willing to to go outside the box. You know, it, yeah. you have to be willing to accept that sort of stuff. So why not? It's something different. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool as, as long as it's done right. I guess it's always. I would agree because I, I'm a fan and I I personally like a more realistic, athletic, hard-hitting presentation and I like the Boneyard thing they did and then I saw the Funhouse and it wasn't necessarily my thing but I thought it was so well done by the people who produced it and the stuff I've seen too like with Matt Hardy that it brings me in. I'm engaged. You know, I don't know if I'd want to watch it all the time personally but I like it. I'm obviously not against it. Anybody, like you said, it's art, whatever you bring to it but I would say like even not even being something I normally would like flock to watch, I was like, this is so well done. I'm into this. And it was a break from something else I was watching, too. Yeah, I, yeah dude, I, I think it's, I, I think it's cool. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's, I just think it's cool. Why not? If you could do something different, like, if you can do something different that's going to stand out, you're still entertaining people. You're still telling a story. Uh, why not, man? I think I think it's more power to everybody. It, gets, it also gets more people more jobs, you know, like the production people sure. get to edit stuff and do that. Yeah, sure. Let's, there's great people that they have hired there, so let's let them work. You live in England now, right? I do. I live just outside of London. And now how did, what made you decide to do that? Just love the area? Was it for work? Or how did that come about? Well, I was working a lot over here, so I just, my girlfriend is from here, and... I mean, it, it made more sense, again, because I was working over here so much. I liked working over here a lot. I Honestly, I being over here, I don't have to worry about health care because, you know, that's just taken care of. So it, it, just made, it just made more sense to be here. And, and yeah, I really, I really like it. When you're on the road, what might be like, especially now since it's not really an option too much, but, like, what would be a go-to restaurant that you would normally go to? A go-to restaurant? Well, it depends on where I'm It depends on uh, where I am. independent like when did you first get that idea basically james and i james muscle white my business partner we were we recorded a couple promos before we really liked working together we did and then we did this one for progress uh super strong style 16 this past year and it just was it was just good and james drew up this logo on his computer and we were like all right and we just kind of ran with it 
and then we, we came up with, we're like, what could we do about this? Because obviously we had our own things. We wanted to kind of give something back. We didn't want to just have, you know, oh, yeah, great, we're going to be selling these T-shirts, and then that's that. You know, we kind of wanted to do something. We didn't want to just kind of talk about it. We wanted to be about it. So then we just kind of came up with the idea. Then we we got a, we set up a meeting with Equity, and then everything kind of got rolling from there, man. It was, yeah, it was just kind of, we realized we wanted to do something. That's awesome. For as long as you can remember, have you always been this driven? Because you definitely seem like a guy who probably doesn't sleep a lot and just has a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> I, I'm definitely, uh, I try and maintain structure as much as I can because I, I want to keep myself busy. That's yeah. absolutely the truth. But, I don't know, my friends have always said that if there's something that I want, that I go 110% at it. Like, I do, I, it's hard for me to, to have multiple focuses. I go at something as much as I can, like, when I'm facing it. Like, look, million miles an hour so I, I and trying my biggest thing I'm trying to do is just stay patient that's the biggest thing is is learning patience and mm. getting excited and, and having excitement but still keeping yourself collected you know but not taking away any of the joy from your ups it, it's all a learning process but but yeah yeah I, I guess I guess I, I do feel I do feel pretty driven to do something because I want to make sure that I leave a good legacy that's awesome. David, you've been great. Anything you want to promote right now, and where can people find you? Sweet. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Just uh, go to, for merchandise from me, davidstarmerch.com, or you can go to my Twitter or Instagram page. You can see the links to my other merchandise stores are there. My uh, Twitter and Instagram is at the product DS. Go to weetheindependent.com, and you can pick up some merch from there. You can also go to our podcast, weetheindependent.com slash podcast. We have a bunch of great episodes. We just dropped the Eddie Kingston episode, I believe, last night, and that was wild. We have some other great ones with like Shane Taylor, and Sugar Dungerton has a bunch of great episodes there, too, with Effie and Say Jackson, and it's awesome. So I think that's all that I have to... Oh, and you check our out. I think that at We the Indie spells an I-E, not a Y, because we're indie, not indie. So, so I think that's it. Awesome. David, thank you so much for your time. This is a great interview. I'll let you know when it's coming out, and uh, I appreciate all your help, man. Oh, sweet. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, guys. Working Fans Podcast. Welcome back to the 531, where we take our top five list on a particular subject, debate it down to a top three, then further debate it down to a top one. This week, we're mm. doing one of the few lost lists we ever had, the top European wrestlers. Ooh, shit. I'm ready for this one, Yeah, baby. our list have definitely changed since the first time. Yeah. AJ, we're looking at you. Yeah, AJ. You forgot somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse from New Hampshire had Dynamite Kid. Sure. British Bulldog. Mm. Fit Finley. William Regal. Chris Adams. Good list. Solid list overall. Zach had Dynamite Kid. Yeah. Andre the Giant. Davey Boy Smith. William Regal. Carl Gotch. Yeah, that's a good one. I called him out on that. So what you know about Carl Garth? <laughs> what European country did he say Gotch came from? You know, he didn't tell me. He just told me that... Um, he was definitely he, European. Look he, at that he read, yeah, he was a European motherfucker if I ever saw one. He said he read up on him and he got to see some stuff on him and he became a fan. Alright. So. I'm going to guess it's Germany. Yeah. Yeah, Gotch. Sound German. <laughs> Brian Huff from the Rockin' Randy's Rockin' mm. Wrestling Group had, Huff? had Billy Robinson, Fit Finley... Mm. Andre the Giant, Tony Charles, 
And Adrian Street. Uh, first off, great mention of Adrian Street. AJ. Second off... He trained uh, you and you turned your back on him. I know, man. He, he forgot to put him down. I know it was a misstep, but fuck it. He wrote his list how he wrote it, and we're going to let it go out. But anyway... I we like... actually had a good discussion the last time about his... Oh, training. yeah! I know, I know, I know. I was busting his balls about it and everything. I know, but... that's how we learned not to go over an hour recording time. Yes, yes. Lost episode, baby. Lost episode. First off, uh, shout out for having Billy Robinson on there. That's a great one. I know a lot of people he's trained. I'm almost surprised he didn't pop up on a, on more lists. Yeah, Tony Charles, though, I'm not familiar with. I have no idea who he is. Oh, have well, to, why not? What's have this guy's to name? Oh, the Huff. Brian Huff. Huff! <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's another name. Nick Bissanz, B-I-S-A-N-Z. Oh, He's yeah, also yeah. from the Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. Carney, right? Biz- <laughs> Bizanz. I like it. <laughs> yeah, Cesaro. Yeah. Sal Belomo. <laughs> Bruno San Martino. <laughs> Andre the Giant and Otto Vons. What's this guy's name again? Uh, Nick, Nick Biz Bizans. Let's go. Let's call him Nick. Nick. First off, I love anyone who contributes, man. But Sal Belomo, that motherfucker was a jobber, boy. What the fuck? <laughs> Whatever. He said, "You like him? You like his work? All right, I'll give it to you." Now maybe there's more to Sal than I know. I just know him as the guy that Roddy Piper whooped that ass. All right, that's how I know Sal. And maybe I should get more familiar with him. He seemed competent, though. Almost all the wrestlers did back then. Yeah, let's Google that. I mean, maybe he's like the Bob Cook of Europe. You know what? If he's like the Bob Cook of Europe, he's aces in my book. I'll love me some Bob Cook. Albert Bettis, also from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. Albert Bettis. Is he, uh... Don't forget the super, motherfucker. (laughs) Don't forget the super. I thought you were going to say, is that Jerome's brother? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Albert. (laughs) He has Andre the Giant. Yes. Cesaro. William Regal, mm. Walter, oh. and the British Bulldog. How did not more people have Walter on your list? I know he's new, but that's a good yeah. addition. He's solid. I think when you think a lot of the great European wrestlers, you tend to go... Older. Yeah, older for the most sure. part. I mean, Cesaro, you almost can't deny his strength. It's gotten out there so can't much. Can't deny him. Why would you want to? <laughs> you need me. <laughs> AJ had William Regal. Yep. Otto Vons. Mm-hmm. Dave Finley, but does he mean Fit Finley, or is he going for Fit Son? He means Fit Finley. <laughs> oh, he's trying to get all insider on us. <laughs> That's a shoot name, baby. <laughs> Dynamite Kid yeah. and Cesaro. Or Tom Billington, as I call him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, I like that he brought in Otto, but uh, no Adrian Street? The fuck happened, man? As your mentor. You turned your back! <laughs> I hope you tell him that when you talk to I him. I think he's going to hear it. Yeah, I think he's going to hear this. <laughs> All right, Chris Zalha, but yeah. he'll always be Zoucha to me. Yeah, from former Ro- guest. <laughs> former guest from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. Sorry about the audio quality, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're working on it. We're, working. We're, we're, we're learning. We're learning. He had William Regal. Yep. Fit Finley. Mm. Dynamite Kid. Davey Boy Smith. And Chris Adams. Yeah, um... Man, I think me and him got almost the same list. Andre's not on this list, all right? No. No, okay. Jake yeah. had William Regal, yep. Dynamite Kid, mm-hmm. Andre the Giant, mm. Fit Finley, Will Ospreay, uh, yeah. and he gave us the sixth one, Davey Boy Smith. Yeah, he likes and to do that. I was going to say, this is going to be a theme over the next couple weeks. Yeah, it will be. Randy Osga. Osga. He had William Regal. Yeah. Dynamite Kid. Mm-hmm. Bruno San Martino. Yeah, him and Scott, huh? Andre the Giant. Yeah. And Johnny Saint. Johnny Saint, nice. 
these are David Starr's picks for the top five. Oh, like so, my top five favorite European wrestlers. Uh, well, we were the stuff that we were doing was are known. They are known. Yeah. Oh, currently is it all time? All time. All time. Uh, well, you have to say William Regal yes. is going to be on that list. I mean, I guess you have to say like Fit Finley. Yeah. And yeah. Johnny Saint, Big Daddy. Do I say Giant Haystacks? Maybe. Ah, I mean. That would be five, yeah. I know, uh, uh, Dynamite Kid made the list a lot of ours, I've noticed. Uh, yeah, Dynamite Kid would have been great, or uh, or uh, Davey Boy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, either one of those. Yeah, I guess those two would be the next two I could think of. That I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, funny enough, is you could probably, at this point, you could probably throw on like a Will Ospreay or a Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. on that list. They, they have accolades to... to to warrant being in the, the conversation, at least. Yeah, uh, I would say out of the people I asked today, I don't have the list in front of me, but Zack Sabre Jr. Um, was on the list by two fans. And we had, like, maybe 12 people contribute to the list. So, I mean, it's, yeah, he's, you know, it's getting there. <laughs> Scott had William Regal, mm. British Bulldog. Yes. Cesaro, Bruno San Martino, and the Dynamite Kid. Mm. Yeah, I met Randy. Similar list. <laughs> I'm going to give you my list now. Sure. I've got William Regal, mm. Pete Dunn, oh, Zack Sabre Jr., Cesaro, and the British Bulldog. I like when uh, somebody has somebody different from everybody else. I did not, man. I had a lot of people that are going to be the same. Andre the Giant. God, I think Andre's got to be on the Mount Rushmore in some ways. I mean, he drew the most money of any of these guys. Special attractions are always going to draw on wrestling, and he sure. was, what, the original almost? I would say, yeah. If not, be very close to it. Yeah, it was the original of the modern era, because I'm sure, sure there was somebody in the carnival era. Yeah, there was that uh, motherfucker that had, like, that uh, fate, the angel of death. The elephant man? No, nah, not that guy. He's Oh, the French angel? The French angel, about? yeah, 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 yeah. The <laughs> elephant man, though, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought you were talking about, like, freak show motherfuckers. Did he wrestle? <laughs> no, you can't wrestle with that shit. <laughs> but you can't keep your head upright with that. Mm-hmm. All right, now that we've... Wait, maybe I didn't finish my list. <laughs> I know. You brought up Andre, and we just moved on to <laughs> the elephant know, man. Yeah, yeah. William Regal's on my list, all right? Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, who my mom would remind me as a young boy that he was a very handsome man. And uh, my mom might have got a little excited about Dave Boy Smith, right? I didn't even love my mama. Whatever. <laughs> Dynamite Kid. The best snap suplex in the business. Had a great flying headbutt. We learned a lot from that. Chris Adams. Just an all-around great guy from what I hear. <laughs> Rounds up my list. <coughs> I actually chose to leave the Dynamite Kid off my list. Even though he did inspire that early light heavyweight style yes. in the early WWF. Mm-hmm. I'm almost going to give him the Benoit treatment. And the fact that he modeled that headbutt. Yeah. And that, like, that was there for Benoit to pick up going forward. Not that it's on Dynamite's head, but I mean... To me, he didn't tell this motherfucker to go kill his family and shit. He, I mean, he did tell him not to do the move. He told him like, not to do it. <laughs> Dynamite was also not the best example up until the end, necessarily, maybe. Well, probably, but that's still on Benoit. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think we could include... It ain't about being the best person, all right? But, I mean, obviously there are limits, all right? We don't want motherfuckers killing people or raping people. I don't know that Dynamite ever raped anybody. I've been raped. <laughs> but, uh, 
You know, we ain't laugh about that. But uh, Dynamite. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we are. All right, well, but that, Dynamite. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I think we should leave them who, How many people. What's a common theme here? Who, who pops up a lot? A lot of these guys did. Dynamite. <laughs> dynamite, yeah. Well, who else? I'm not going to say we just pick Dynamite. Who else is on this? Bulldog pops up a lot. Uh, sure. Regal, go. obviously. Regal, yeah. Uh, Andre, quite Andre, a bit. Andre, yeah. All right, let's, uh, what do we got? We got uh, Regal, Andre, and basically the Bulldogs. Yeah. Popping up a lot here. I mean, there's probably other ones, but whatever. Let's go with these guys. Because this is this is a good list right here. Because, um... You want to put the Bulldog? Is it unfair to put the Bulldogs together? No, absolutely not. Because David Boy went on to have a hell of a run. And that guy was Intercontinental Champion. Let's not forget the main event he did the day after he did Crack. All right, that's important. I, we d- he sold out when we stayed in with Brett, the hitman hot. All right, well, fuck Brett. Okay, <laughs> he was fucked, but he still put on a great match. This motherfucker has earned our respect. All right, god damn. All right, so first off, I'm gonna tell you right now. If we're going, to, we'll pick between the Bulldogs. I'm going with Davey Boy. Yeah. I'm going off that motherfucker dynamite. Not because he's a bad person. Not because he introduced the headbutt. Because he ain't the man that Davey Boy Smith is. He didn't have the balls to go out in Wembley Stadium on crack and tear the house down with Bret Hart. So fucking get him out of here. Davey Boy moves on to the next Guys, round. I'm sorry, but the views of Dave don't reflect that of the Working Fans podcast necessarily. <laughs> necessarily. I mean, you they can might. still smoke crack, and we'll give you a chance. We'll give you a I chance. Mean, but to perform on smoking crack, I'm like, God damn. That's yeah, some of you can do it on, some of you fall off your shit when you smoke crack. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah. So, we got it versus the Bulldogs, Regal, and Andre. I bet you David Starr is going to hear this when he goes on and this episode drops. He's like, what the fuck did I get myself on here? Oh, shit, yeah, we did it. We <laughs> David Starr's listing this. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, dude. Now you seen the real me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had a great conversation with David Starr. Great you guy. heard it before this. These shit, this this segment doesn't reflect the views of David Starr, not at all. Yeah, this segment, he was a gentleman. This segment doesn't reflect his views mm-hmm. in the least. Alright, so I fucking stuttered through that. That's alright. That's alright. But we got the Bulldogs, Regal, Andre. Alright, so now Dave Boy's bouncing that dynamite off, alright? Because yeah. Davey Boy he I did would it. think they kind of both go. Because you want, you are you going to put it up against Regal, who, even if Davey Boy sold out Wembley Stadium mm-hmm. on crack, mm-hmm. Regal w- was able to make a comeback. Regal did a lot of drugs, too. That needs to be noted. You're right. I mean, Regal came back real fucked up. You know? <laughs> so, maybe you're right. But I mean, he's the general manager of NXT. He's he's still in the business. He's had a longer run. Yeah, so that's why I got to bounce the Bulldogs. All right, all right. So, down to Regal and Andre. Andre's a special, a special attraction. attraction. You know? Uh, what do you go with? Do you go with a guy who's a former heavyweight champion, although for only a minute, who sold out the Pontiac Silverdome with Hulk Hogan? Great attraction for many, many years. Or do you go with a solid in-ring performer who can do a lot more? Bobby, I, a more versatile character, for sure. I'm voting for Regal only because of the longevity. Not only was he in the business, mm. but he's also become a part of training the next wave of that. How long was Andre for the, the business, business for? He was a little before our time. That's the thing, right? A little before our time, but mm-hmm. he also... I mean, he died early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that giant. And he was also just, like, 
really in the business. Yeah. I you mean, know. If you're taking points off because of his size, yeah, I can almost argue that point. I'll tell you a story here. My father, when I was younger, was uh, in a weightlifting contest, and he won uh, because there was a guy who actually lifted a little more weight than he did, but he weighed more, and they took points off for that. Okay. So, in this case, Dad, <laughs> tribute to you. <laughs> Fuck Andre. <laughs> Wayne Wrangle, baby! <laughs> it moves on. This is dedicated to Carl Smith. R.I.P. <laughs> All right, and I mean, William Regal can throw some flowers on that grave because... <laughs> yes, he can. He wins you know number what? one this and my week. dad wasn't a big wrestling fan, but he did watch it once in a while, and he loved William Regal. This is for you, Dad. There you go. <laughs> we did it. And that really kind of brings it back from that whole crack smoke and talk that we really so... You know that I'm a sensitive man deep down, and I love my family. <laughs> And I'm not saying smoke crack. I'm just saying this man performed after smoking crack. I mean, you know, I'm uh, I'm impressed. That's all I'm saying. All right, this is the Working Fans Podcast. Top five European wrestlers. William Regal's the greatest of all time. Suck on bits. Kids, stay off the drugs. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 